Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hi everyone, I'm back. <laughs> I would like to, um, I'm not going to reintroduce myself, but you know, Karina Schultz podcast. Um, co-host of the podcast Mixed Company. I would like to welcome our next set of our panelists. We have Sandra Sims-Williams, Chief Diversity Officer of Publicis Group. <laughs> Alexandra Von Plato, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Publicis Health. And Julie Andrews, Head of Delivery and Client Operations, Virtue Worldwide, the creative agency at By Vice. Hi, ladies. Hello. So our panel is um, aligned to address and eradicate gender bias within our industry. We are clear that the silence um, on the topics such as pay gender pay gaps, sexual violence, and body shaming are no longer acceptable. However, what is yet to be addressed are the intragender challenges women face between communities. During this conversation, we'll discuss the intragender challenges and view them from the perspective of a culturally diverse panel of women. All right? All right, here we go. So in 2017, the EEOC research showed that only 93 black female executives are in advertising, PR, and related in agencies with more than 100 people. And that was out of 8,734 total executives from this pool. And additionally, out of that pool of 8, 8K um, executives, 7K are white, 3K are um, of white women. Why do you think this is the case? <laughs> it's only 93. <laughs> See, I don't believe that. Oh. I actually don't believe that. Okay. And I don't believe it because I know how they put the EEO reports together. Mm -hmm. And some of it is by sight. And they're putting down numbers that may not be accurate. So I don't believe that. Um, with that said, um, I think it's important for us to be aware of how people come into this industry. I don't think that everyone knows, because I actually used to recruit for creative in the industry, and during the time that I recruited, I think I can count on about six fingers how many uh, people of color, and certainly, I don't even remember, I think maybe two women, in terms of entering the creative department. And that was mainly because they just didn't know. They did not know about advertising. And even now, when you talk to people who are in the business, uh, I always ask, you know, how did you get into this business? Uh, someone told me about it. Uh, they saw it on TV. Uh, but black parents traditionally don't talk about advertising communications. Sure. So, yeah. I'm shocked that there were 93. I have, I'm having the opposite reaction. And, uh, and it's because I've been in this business a long time, and I've seen very few. And I think part of the re black women in, in power, in powerful positions in the agency business. I think it's, I've, I'm embarrassed to say, but I don't think it's my fault, that I don't, I don't have a lots of points of reference there. So 
Um, it's, it's appalling that it's only 93, but it's, it's almost more appalling that it's like, I'm glad somebody, <laughs> there's, and, and we need to do more. I mean, I will say as uh, one of the things that, you know, that chills, you know, opportunities in advertising for women, and I was a creative director, was the idea that, you know, the, the, there is a boys club in the creative department. There always was. And the idea that you're going to um, be part of it and how you're going to break into it and how you get included in that is, is very rare for a woman in, in my era uh, to, to be able to, to do it. And then if you, if you were, God forbid, a woman who had a child, forget about it. And I think a lot of what happens to women is they count themselves out. They size up a situation and they think it looks like they're not going to be welcome and they're not going to be able to, you know, get a fair hearing. And they, they count themselves out and they move on to something else that looks more friendly. And I think that's to the detriment of, of the companies, to our society, and certainly to the women themselves. It's, it's, a, it's an effort that uh, is really extraordinary and it's required to be able to say, I deserve to be here and I'm going to participate and I'm going to be holding everybody, you know, accountable for listening to me. <laughs> and I think it takes a lot of courage, but I think we're starting to see, and thank God I'm alive, you know, for this moment in time. Because I don't know if I ever thought it was going to happen, you know, what's happening with me too, and that all of these boogeymen, and I, I mean men, are getting, <laughs> coming out into the light of day. And we're able to discuss these things, and we're able to acknowledge this. And I think that I know, I would say the 93 is going to be 930 and 9,300 and 93,000. It's got to happen. It's going to happen now because we can't hide from it anymore. It's not something where we can, we can say isn't, doesn't exist. It, it does exist. And now we have to keep it from continuing. Interesting. Um, you talked about the effort, and I think part of that effort is sometimes a bridge too far. Um, the amount of like transformation you have to do of yourself, and we talked about like um, figuring out how much of yourself you bring to work and when you show different sides of yourself, but it's a lot of work. That's a lot of work, and not everybody's interested in, in doing that much conformity to make it into those rooms, because it's not just make it into the room, it's maintain the spot, and then it's what happens outside of the room that you're not able to get into, like, don't play golf, I don't want to play golf, I don't want to talk about sports, I don't like football, hate the NFL, like, I don't want to <laughs> do all of this, you know, so yeah. to hell with your rooms, I'm going to go do what I do. <laughs> I know. You don't want to do that? I've done it. Right. There you go. There you go. Because there, when you're on the football field and there are all these guys, if you're going to play, you got to be playing their game. And so we have often had to conform to some of the things that they've done, or they, they do, I'm sorry, uh, to actually fit in. And that's not going to change until we make it change. So let's take, for example, the 3% conference. When they started, they said it was 3% women in creative. 
So we have three years later, it was 11%. So it can happen. We just have to keep pressing on to make it happen. We mentioned a lot about like being a woman in the environment and we know that it's hard. Julie, you just mentioned how hard it is like each day to come into this environment, play in the environment, try to be nice and hopefully be nice. I hope you all got coffee and stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's hard. So, but is that always true? Is it always hard to adapt to your new agency or work environment? You know, I think different people have different levels of comfort and familiarity with change. I think that what we're all starting to know is that change is what is required. That's a cliche at this point. So if it's if it feels uh, too hard for you, you're really going to, you know, be holding yourself back. You have to figure out how to get yourself comfortable with being in environments that are not necessarily built for your comfort, you know, and built for your inclusion and built to make you feel great about yourself. Um, although we're all trying to create those environments all the time as leaders and employers, um, we don't always succeed in doing that. And I think that, you know, one person in a, in a, in a, on a team, you know, a few people in an organization can really make that organization change and flex and adapt. So I would say if you're coming into an organization and you feel uncomfortable, you should take it upon yourself to just to figure out how you can, you know, be the source of the change and how you can be the person who influences the organization to adapt and change in ways that are going to make it more sympathetic to the way you want to work. I think that um, women of color are very resilient. And so when you talk about navigating different environments, uh, we were born that way, that we had to learn how to do that from, uh, from the playground. And so uh, this is something that comes quite natural. And what happens is we get tired. Uh -huh, we get tired. Uh -huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is Thursday evening, <laughs> and you um, you play a role for a little bit, and then you decide. Uh, I'm going to quote someone who uh, last week I was with the um, Times Up Advertising uh, Searing Committee, and there was a uh, woman of color there who said, "There are things that happen, and I just keep pushing it down." And I keep pushing it down until the day when it came up. And so when that comes up, everybody's surprised, like, who the hell is she? <laughs> and that's when that real thing happens. That genuine, authentic person has appeared. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so we need to be able to understand what that means. Um, and, of, of course, she had that moment, and she had to deal with the aftermath of it. So I don't know which one of you talked about, uh, you know, the environment. You, you need to know about that environment and who actually to deal with when you throw up. Yeah. It seems like there, to, from my perspective, that there is just so much more room for that, though, now. So much more, you know, ability for that shock to get absorbed in an organization. 
I mean, there were things that would have been absolutely suicidal to even utter before about your expectations or about, you know, something that, you know, you felt made you uncomfortable or something that, you know, you want to push back on or even just a civil disagreement. You know, a woman, you know, voicing that she, you know, disagrees was something that wasn't done, you know, with very much ease, if at all. But I think we're finally in a, in a spot where you can do it now. You can do it and not get fired. You can do it and not get passed over for promotion. You can, you, there is more of an opportunity to, to be yourself and to react in authentic ways to things that you don't agree with, that make you uncomfortable, and find some receptor site in the organization for you to take that feeling to and get a fair hearing. Uh, that I guess, you know, I, I, I come from a time when you would never let anybody know that you were offended by anything, you know? And, and people said horrible shit, you know, to me as a young woman in advertising. In the creative department, are you kidding? Horrible, rank, nasty shit. And I would have never, ever gone to my HR person, to my boss, and said a word about it. And I just hope to God, and I believe in my, I guess, some of my naive way, that we're, in a, we're at a time where that can't stand, and we can't let it stand. You're all here because you want to take charge of your lives, and you want to shape a world that's meaningful and right for you and what you want to do. And part of that is vocalizing, you know, your expectations and forcing all of us together, organizations, to deal with us, you know, to deal with us. <laughs> and so there's another part to that. Um, so the time's up. Um, committee, steering committee. We came together for a day because we knew that if we were to move this agenda along, our white sisters had to understand what our women, our sisters of color go through. Yeah. See, so you can't speak for me until you understand me. And so we had a full day of sort of, you know, we are in each other's face about what I go through when I walk through the door versus what you go through when you walk through the door. You have it a little easier than I do. You might be able to say some things that I can't say. And we, in fact, I believe that they understand now that we're going to put you in the front. We are with you, but you get, to, you get to say more than we do. And that's a reality. And so let's use it to the advantage of all women. Yep. This time you cannot go without us. I agree. That's very important, really potent. I have an intragender um, challenge question. Um, as women, you know, as we interact, communicate, um, create relationships amongst each other, um, things happen. And one question I have in mind is how can we move past hurt or disappointment when another woman in the office undermines us? I take the mic. I don't hold anyone to higher or lower standards. Like, don't undermine me, period. I don't mind what you carry. You know, like, um, 
so I don't I don't feel like the expectations of women or whatever are different. I I don't want to be undermined. So I don't I don't know that I have more to that. You know. Okay, so it happened to me. Uh huh. <laughs> it happened to me late in my career, and I was uh, completely blown away by it. So I'm a person who I normally think, you know, I, I'm a little bit intimidating, so I figure, like, you're not going to do anything to me. Um, <laughs> but she came from a place I have never been. And so I was blown away, like, what the hell? Um, and she was m manipulating and maneuvering right in front of my face. And I feel like I have a gut thing, too. Didn't know it was coming. So I learned a real-life lesson with that that you know you keep your enemies close, that is serious. You do keep them close uh, because they're watching you. And unfortunately, it was a female. Yeah. So, you know, you have to deal straight up with that. Yeah. Uh -huh. But and were you, did, it, did it matter more because she was female to you? Yeah, because I, you know, she, I talked about my stuff yeah. with her. Like, I trusted her. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. We're supposed to be sort of sister? No. Yeah. Oh. No, because we are in this sort of battle to get to first. Right, right, right. Because it's probably only going to be one, one of spot. us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? You, you wait. Just wait. And pray. I, I think that's great advice. The, op, the, the op, praying is praying is always a go-to. But I also will have some other advice, which is: Can we not worry about that? Can we allow ourselves to not really care about that? Like, who is manipulating and who is backstabbing and who is? And you know, I don't. My experience is, and it's not always women. And and. The fact is that I, I don't want to get my, my feelings are not that vulnerable. Like, I don't let people who I don't respect hurt my feelings, you know? And so, you know, figure out, you know, and I, get, I, I can see that somebody gained your respect and gained your confidence and then hurt you. I think that's a very specific kind of relationship, you know, uh, well, It was actually career-defining. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I can see that those things could happen to people between two individuals, and that trust bond, you know, is just shattered, and it has a um, huge emotional consequence for the person who has been hurt. But in life, in business, in women, you know, this idea that we're so vulnerable to having our feelings hurt, one of the ways I feel like you can protect yourself from that happening is just decide who, who you respect, you know, who you care is having a high or low opinion of you. And, you know, focus on those people. I bet you they're pretty good people. And I bet in most cases, you know, they, they, they would be, have your back. But try not to be, you know, a, a victim of other people's opinion of you. You should actually take the front foot and decide what opinions you have of other people and operate from a position of, of strength and owning it. Okay, but we have to go back to that sisterhood thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. just, I'm just, my whiteness is just red. <laughs> coming out of me. And, and, and she wore a pretty white, white dress. dress. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, wait, is this a political? <laughs> Well, no, we've all heard the quote, there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. And the truth is that when we walk into an organization and there are women sitting at the top, we figure like there is at least a chance. And so if they are not going to support other women, then we have a problem. Because men do it. They support each other. And so there's no excuse from my point of view when women do not support others. <laughs> but you didn't mistake me saying don't let your feelings get hurt for like not being supportive no. but I think I just, now I'm all insecure about being white but I, it, it's interesting to hear two different cases because I think that hurt is real coming from someone that you've gained trust that you formed a relationship, especially when you feel like you're the only one and you see someone else and they can share that emotion or they can empathize. And then when like the rug is slipped right under you, you know, how do you move? Th what do you do next? You know, you don't know. That's shock. And uh, yeah, I'm going to pivot, you know. Um, <laughs> so one of the biggest um, news topics this year was the gender pay gap. And um, I'm just going to read the data point that for black women, uh, we make 63 cents for every dollar that a white, non-Hispanic man makes. In the current pay gap in 2018 this year, black women would have to work an additional 200 days to make what white men earn in a year. Do you have any advice for women about how we can close that pay gap? So. In negotiating my current salary, I think I found the words, but I had an interesting position. So um, when I was negotiating, I sort of stated my number, and then I said, but what's more important to me is that I get paid the same or on par with my male colleagues. And because I was going to have access to all the salary information, <laughs> I, could, I could track that. But it felt really good to sort of say, sure, I have a number, but what's more important is that that number is on par, because I only know the number based on what I was making before. Mm -hmm. If That's going to perpetuate the gap. What's more important is that you, you pay me on par. So that felt good to me. You need to educate yourself when you're negotiating. You need to understand the market your, and definitely know your value. Um, and if you don't know that information, you go find it. Uh, because the one thing that we don't do as women, we don't negotiate. Um, because we feel like, and, and when Sheryl Sandberg actually said it herself, that when she got her offer from Facebook, uh, she was ready to go. And her husband said, oh, no, 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 no. You do not accept the first offer. Uh -huh. So you don't do that. You, you have to negotiate. And you have to start asking for things. See, there's a big secret in the, in the background of things that you, you can ask for things. All they can do is say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think getting comfortable with people saying no to you is also really important. Uh, it's really hard to do, but the idea that no is not a death sentence; it's just a no. And if you've built equity in the organization and you've built you know value and trust in the organization, a no might be turn into a maybe, might turn into 
you know, something that happens later. But you set the level of expectation by making the request. So I do think it's important, and I think that women don't do it because, as I touched on earlier, for many reasons, you know, we come in with a discount. You know, I know that I traded um, some sense of, you know, pay for what I thought was flexibility, you know, because I had young children. So I was trading against, you know, well, if I accept less money, they won't ask me to do more because I'm already doing more than everybody else, all the men around me. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> but, I, but, you know, that part, I didn't actually, you know, connect those dots early enough in my career. So th this idea that you're giving yourself a discount in exchange for flexibility because you have other responsibilities, particularly if you have young children, and that you're actually going to get flexibility in exchange for the discount. You don't. You don't get the flexibility. You gave a discount, and you didn't get the flexibility. And so I would say, you know, to the generation coming up under me, don't do that. You know, don't, don't, don't think that you're trading for, for something. Ask for what you believe, and I would say decide what you think you're worth, and then ask for 10% more, yeah. just out of practice. And don't expect, don't take 10% less because you're trading for flexibility, because you're not actually getting a bargain. You're going to be worked just as hard and harder for less. You agree, Julie? <laughs> so the other, it, I, I do agree with that. And, and I try to tell myself two things. Um, one is I need a job, not this job. So that's all I need, so I can walk away. And then the second thing is I don't negotiate with myself, right? So like put it out there, and like you said, the worst you can get is a no, but put it out there. And then I think to all of us, we need to share the information, right? We don't talk about our salaries. Talk about your salary. Let's just tell Great. people. <laughs> so everybody knows what to expect. I'm glad you asked that. And we have a question for the audience. Um, by a show of hands, in your last offer, how many of you guys negotiated your offer? Ooh, nice. All right, so you know you might. <laughs> Go you. <Yeah. laughs> um, lastly, uh, how you know in the in the conversation of this event, um, how what can we do? individually and collectively to ensure that black women and all women can climb the ladder to leadership successfully. <laughs> I, you know, I think one of the things we need to do is we need to hire more black women. You know, you can't, people can't climb and succeed if they're not in your organization. And, it, you know, advertising, and I'm, you know, right in the catbird seat now, is, it's, it is shameful to James, you know, use of the word earlier. Um, it is that we, we can't hire people we do not interview. So one of the things I talk about with my chief talent officer is how do we change that? Because the, the actual, you know, talent coming into the organization needs to be cultivated to come in. And then once they're in, we need to, you know, make sure that we're pay paying special attention to be able to create 
the diversity in our organizations that's going to make our business more successful. I mean, we have to be committed to, to that and believe that. And, and I think all the statistics and the science and the math is showing that no matter what you're inclined to do or not do, if you're a good business person, you should be inclined toward diversity because it's good for your business. And that is something that um, we have to just make sure that we have in our, in our water in all of our organizations that we're expecting. I, I, I ask for every, every uh, job that we hire, we should have one diverse candidate in the talent pool. One. You know, and, and sometimes we don't have one. I mean, it should probably be two or three if you're interviewing four or five people, but we have to actually put some order into it at the very beginning of the funnel so we can make sure that we get the right number of people to be able to grow and to be able to cultivate leadership around. I think it's also, again, making ourselves available, right? for the ones who have gotten there, like you're supposed to, it's not just reach back, it's it's just open up, right? Just like, anybody wanna know anything, ask me, not now, I'm with the microphone. But like, <laughs> like just let's talk, let's, let's make way for each other, let's hold space for each other to sort of talk about the things that are going on, because it is hard and we do need to, we need to build the supports, we need to have the hard conversations, we need to learn how to have the hard conversations with the white men in the world and in the room. Um, we've got to keep just doing this, and it's all through dialogue, is my my, my opinion. Uh, I'm with um, uh, Renetta on uh, in terms of how I got here. Uh, it's basically been by way of white men, and um, when I took the chief diversity uh, officer job, I asked uh, to have a white male coach because the people that I would have to deal with were majority white men. And so I needed to understand how I came off, how they received me, and the message that I had to carry to them was a sensitive message. And CEOs and men, uh, white men at high levels don't want to be told that they don't know anything about the subject matter. They don't. Uh, so you have to finesse it and you have to know how to handle the conversation so that they hear you and that you don't make them feel guilty because they are in a place of power. You want to make sure that we're actually engaging. So my coach told me to take it down a notch. <laughs> One notch? <laughs> a notch, a notch, or two, or two. Okay, okay, okay. Right. Um, but I will say that no, when you engage with a, an audience that you're not always uh, comfortable with or that they're not comfortable with you more like it, uh, you need to know how to do that. And uh, the other piece is I have two women groups outside. Uh, so when um, we talk about not having time to mentor people, I mentor eight at a time once a month. So we have a monthly meeting where we talk about subject matter on how to you know, develop and navigate your career. And so it's one group that is my contemporaries, the other group is uh, millennial. <laughs> well, it's, it's in Boston. But, uh, but wait, wait, no, no, I'm trying to create one in New York. Um, so <laughs> it's called Sandra Sister Circle. It actually has a logo.
I'm willing to fill out an application. So. <laughs> um, I have one more question. Um, tomorrow is another work day. Today is Thursday. Don't don't forget. <laughs> um, what piece of advice would you like to share to the audience that you've learned that we can take to work or to help us through the next day? Um, really, what, what I was just talking about, uh, you need to build relationships at every level of the organization. And uh, Nick uh, said something about, you know, you need to take a risk. And when you do go to these senior people, please do not go without questions or a conversation. Don't sit there and think that they are supposed to come across. You need to be able to, uh, to talk to them about, first of all, who you are and why you came so that they have some context for having the conversation. Now, they will talk to you, but it, it's best to you have a constructed conversation and understand, okay, what do I want to get out of this? When I leave, what have I gotten out of this? And please say thank you. Yeah. I think, I think it's that, and I think as you go in and you know what you want, I, I think what have I gotten out of this, but going into it knowing what you're asking for. Right? I think a lot of times we kind of don't finish the sentence, and so it's like, okay, I don't know what you want me to do. So just sort of going in and knowing what you're asking for. Um, and just one thing at a time. Yeah, I think we're all saying, you know, also ask for help. You know, to next point, people are flattered that you respect their, you know, advice and opinion. So have, have a specific kind of help that you need you know, think about the project that you're working on, the issue you're confronting, something that you're dealing with, and maybe use that to get the courage to go in and ask for help specifically. I think you'll find that you'll get a lot of generosity and you'll get time against a specific request. So think about that. And the other thing I often think about is it's really important to have the courage of your conviction, and that's a cliche, but you have to spend some time having a conviction. So, because it's hard to be courageous without having a point of view or some kind of, you know, axe to grind. So, what is your, what is your point of view? What is your burning platform? What is the thing that you feel is, you know, the constructive advice that you would want to give a senior executive or that you feel like the organization should be focused on? Or a subject matter that you're interested, that you just want to have a conversation about, to Sandra's point. But know that, you know, there are three or four things that you're very committed to and lucid on and well-read about and interested in and you are inspired by and use that to fuel your courage and connect with other people. So one last thing. Yesterday I was in Chicago. Uh, we had a workshop called Efficacy for the People of Color. We had 27 people in the room. Um, you know there's more than 27 people of color in Chicago. Um, so <laughs> the issue I have with that is that you all need to pay attention to the offerings because we do have them. And when you come to events like this, tell your uh, other friend, colleague, they need to come because there's information here that they will not get sitting at their desk or when they go home or going to the club. They won't get it there. Uh, the other thing is that as we try to build the numbers of people of color, we ask for your help. Um, Renetta is chief 
uh, experience inclusion officer, and part of her responsibility is to increase the number of senior C-suite uh, talent. She needs your help. So, uh, <laughs> so please, if you have people that you want to recommend and it doesn't happen for your agency, please let us know who those folks are. Thank you. And thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you. Little round of hands.